what happened to them is an experience in terror you will never forget. And you will believe in Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, this is the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more. With your hosts, Tim Timebomb, Leone D'Antonio, Lauren and Trevor Shan, Austin Wilkin, and Rachel Tejada. Let's go! Trev here on behalf of the Boo Crew with episode 37. This week, a high-ranking executive at 20th Century Fox takes you on an incredible, funny, and fascinating journey into the world of the paranormal. After accidentally capturing a ghost in a photo she took one day, her life has changed forever. She has chronicled this experience in a new book called The Ghost Photographer. Julie Rieger will tell us all about the things that go bump in the night, what and who they are, what they do, and what you can do to protect yourself. To prepare for our spirited adventure, let's pregame at the Boo Crew Bijou. Hi, y'all. This is Julie Rieger, the ghost photographer. Another eerie episode of the Boo Crew has materialized. The Boo Crew dusts a fright flick off the shelf for Horror Homework. To compliment our chat with the ghost photographer, Julie Rieger, this week's Horror Homework, we are conjuring up films with a spiritual, paranormal, or ghostly subject matter. Let the seance begin. My name is Trevor. My name is Lauren. I'm Leo the Ghost. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Austin. I'm Rachel. Tim couldn't be here, unfortunately. This week is on a secret Boo Crew mission. We'll catch up with him next time. Who wants to go first? Leo. <laughs> Why is it always me? I mean, it's not always me, but it feels like it always is. Yeah, it usually is you. Leo should just always go first. Oh, jeez. Or we should pull straight out of straws or something. <laughs> oh, a fair stick. That's what they do in Scarlet's class. There's a, a, fair, a fair stick. stick. <laughs> it's a jar with a bunch of popsicle sticks with everybody's name on it. Ooh, and then you just pull oh. one out and then that person gets to answer it or do whatever task. That, oh. that sounds fair. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a fair the stick. Boo Crew ghost in the jar fair <laughs> stick. Of course, you got to make it like horror, right? Well, of course. Yeah. Of course. 2007 Paranormal Activity. Oh! oh. You cannot run from this, it will find you. This woman, same things happen to her. Oh god. I feel it breathing on me. Looks like something big here. You stop following me with the camera! I'm in control. So, you guys saw it, right? Loved it. Ah, see? We actually were at the same film festival it was playing at. We ended up seeing Trick or Treat. Yes. Oh. And I remember looking at the program and it was like a weird, like a staticky photo. And I'm like, wow, it looks like Poltergeist. And it ended up being Paranormal Activity, which we didn't see then. But man, this movie had legs and just made for nothing. It was like made for $15,000, directed by Oren Pelly, filmed in his home, starring two actors he hired, Katie Featherston and, and uh, Micah Sloat, which he paid each $500 for, whatever that SAG fee was, you know, <laughs> and filmed in his homes. He comes from a computer background i don't think that's a sag fee by the way <laughs> not accurate well, <laughs> whatever that fee was i don't think this was a union show <laughs> craigslist actually local 420 he edited the movie himself did the special effects himself for those who haven't seen it you know the quick synopsis for this movie is you know after moving into a suburban home a couple becomes increasingly disturbed by a nightly demonic presence 
So this movie is a married couple living their daily lives. And, you know, my husband's like, well, you know, put the camera up, you know, just for fun. And as every night would go on, something small would happen, like bed sheets would move or, you know, you'd see like movements on the covers of the, you know, the sheet, you know, some kind of, you know, so he thought it was interesting at first. Like, oh, check this out. This is really cool. Increasingly, the movie gets more and more tense. As a viewer, you might be sitting there for like, you know, a good 20 minutes and maybe nothing's happening, but the movie was still pretty tense because this movie could be your own home when you think about it. I don't want to think about it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. It's like, you know, of all the found footage movies, it's like, this is the first time it brings the element into your own home where now you start to realize that, wow, that creaky noise, the the cupboard that opens, you know, the sheets on the bed, movements of a chair, whatever it is. It's like that actually could happen or maybe has happened. The movie starts to become more and more creepier the movie went on the great success there are i think three different endings to this movie the first one that i saw was not the one that was screened at the film festival but apparently this movie made its way into steven spielberg's hands and he's the one who said you know hey he had a suggestion for the ending which they ended up changing for the theatrical run i don't disagree with it because i, th- I thought they were all effective maybe one of them was not that great but a couple of fun facts about this movie the movie was shot in 10 days the actors were never given scripts. They were only given guidelines on how to behave or what to discuss. The entire movie was shot in Pelly's home. Most of it was just him putting the whole thing together. So this movie gets released and there's a lot of buzz about it because they had a bunch of screenings for it and people were like, man, this is really scary. This is really scary. Eventually, they had a campaign for it to get it into a wide release. To do so, they went to social media marketing. They found people who were fans of the film and said, hey, if you help us spread the news to get this film into a wider release, we'll put your name on the credits. A little thank you. So guess whose name is in the credits? Yours? Yep. Oh, yeah? What? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. So if you, ever, you guys ever watched that movie, my name's in the credits. That's my 15 seconds of fame. So what did you have to do to do it? To be in there? Like, share it? You share, yeah, sharing the movie, like saying, hey, you know, tell your friends that you want to see this movie. We got we want it released. Sure enough, I didn't even think it was going to happen. The movie comes out, and I'm like, oh, man, that's crazy. My name's the credits. Had you yeah. seen it before that happened? Or were you just tracking it at the time? I did see a screening of it oh, before. You did? Yeah, I did. With the original ending? You no, know, at that time, it was the alternate, the second ending. Okay. And... Which I thought was great, because I, I, I never knew about the original ending, which I went back and I thought, man, that's just, just as creepy, but it doesn't have that jump scare element. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But apparently, all thanks to Steven Spielberg, because apparently when he saw his screener of it, he couldn't finish the movie. Apparently, the story goes that he was so frightened, and something weird happened, like he got locked in, in his video room or something like that, and he had to finish watching the movie in the, in the daytime, which he did, and he still found that the movie was really scary so he says yeah we gotta we gotta just put this movie out at the time the studio i think it was um i can't remember if it was dreamworks or not somebody, somebody wanted to recast the whole movie reshoot the whole movie with bigger name you know right, stars yeah. and apparently they did that with meet the fockers really the independent film that was bought and no then way. remade as a hollywood studio picture wow that's I didn't the know story that. i heard wow that's interesting but yeah it's a it's a, it's a studio practice that's crazy yeah it's funny that i think this movie works because these are two people that come across on found footage video that look like a couple you may know they're not actors therefore i think it brings more of that element into the movie that makes it even more frightening yeah more real that movie became the birth of blumhouse yeah yeah Yeah, that's when jason blum's office was his car wow he was driving all over town so he just turned his car into his office he sat in the back doing deals while people drove him around it premiered at slam dance 
And then it was like a multi-year, I don't know, people can look it up and I recommend you do because it's a really fascinating story on how completely handmade, like you said, 13000 or $15,000, whatever right. it was, film can fight to be released and get into the right hands. It's almost just happenstance. But, you know, Slamdance is the festival that happens simultaneous to Sundance. It's like super independent and it's all these low budget movies. Super fun. It just started this buzz. Like you were saying, there's this buzz going around, but it was like not rising above a certain level. Like no one was buying it. No one was going to put it out. You know, it's a real underdog movie. They set the foundation the for foundation what's become for... the Blumhouse juggernaut. Right, right? then yeah. their way, right? The low-budget movie, it making so much in return, right? right. Oh, it's a great, great model. I remember yeah, the and... ad campaign was amazing, too. The ad campaign was just like night vision footage of the audience. The audience, yeah. right? Watch the movie, yeah. <laughs> that was it. And it made you just like, well, I want to be in that audience. I saw yeah. that movie on an airplane oh, and no. it still freaked me out. <laughs> oh like, it still freaked me out. So the movie that uh, Austin and I watched is the... 2017 Ghost Stories. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Professor Philip Goodman. I'm here today to share three apparently supernatural incidents with you, all of which seem deeply troubling. Featuring uh, Martin Freeman. And the tagline for this movie is The Brain Sees what it wants to see. Hmm. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> We've been recommended to see this movie oh, yeah. countless times, but have not watched it yet. So I'm excited. I'm so the poster. If you it. haven't seen the poster, check out the poster. It's really cool. Like I've been like loving this poster for like ever since it came out. It's been on our radar ever since. And we just hadn't got around to it. So once again. Yeah. Kind of fit the theme. Yeah. I, I would go for it. Or homework delivered. Yeah. So this is a, English film. It's uh, 97 minutes long. It is not rated, which I'm not sure why. It's not particularly gory. Maybe that's enticing for someone. It's um, IFC Midnight Release, and it is currently streaming, so we saw it on Hulu. Written and directed by Jeremy Dyson and Andy Nyman, based on their play. So they had this play of the same name done in London's West End, and they adapted it into a movie. The story, just a quick synopsis, Andy Nyman plays the lead character, who's a like realist professor who goes around debunking psychics and paranormal. Everything's explainable, and that's where the tagline comes up. He says, "The brain sees what he want, what it wants to see." So, so it's you know, people are pulling all these hoaxes and stuff until he's handed three cases that have heretofore be, been unprovable. So he goes and interviews these three people. So it becomes this anthology where, as he's interviewing them, we go into the story. They're so good. Like, they're really great ghost stories. They have great elements. Mm -hmm. It's very um, practical. Like, a lot of very practical jump, not even jump scare, maybe a couple jump scares. a couple jump scares. But it's really tense and really, like, actors interacting with practical effects. Yeah, very unnerving. Keeps the tension building. Yeah, you can see how it could really work well on a stage. That it's a lot of pacing and excellent act. The acting is excellent all the way through. Without giving anything away, the the stories keep sort of build on each other thematically, and his main story, wraparound story, becomes you know comes to its own emotional conclusion. And it has this great vibe. It feels very um, timeless in that way, just like the movies, you know, old timey movies that are built on presentation and practical effects, and you're really watching people go through spooky things and it pays off really well it's very creative i mean if you think yeah. of it it came from a theatrical base like the way they shoot it and 
the way it's kind of presented is a little more visually surreal in some ways. Wow, I'm excited for yeah. this, but guys. It's, yeah, it's fun. It's almost more like a drama with horror elements. Oh, interesting. Like, cool. it's, I wouldn't necessarily call it a straight horror movie because the characters are all, like the main character especially, is so richly developed and his goal is so specific. Well, one of the influences, there's actually three films that the filmmakers were inspired by and one of them is The Dead of Night. It's the 1945 horror anthology. Which, if you recall, was previously discussed on this podcast. It was the British movie. Fun fact about that movie is an anthology movie. And we discussed it on our Christmas 2017. Oh, yes. <laughs> I do remember that. Yes. Fun fact about that movie is that it's the first horror movie made in England after World War II. But there was a ban on horror movies during World War II in England. So that was the first English horror movie since then. It had a very similar creepy anthology where the wraparound story comes back and becomes its own thing. It's a different twist. I wouldn't say twist, but, you know, a different take on that thing. But it has the same sort of great anthology storyline with a great wraparound story. The two other films that also inspired the filmmakers were Asylum, which is uh, 1972, and then Black Sabbath, which is 1963. Oh, yes. Yeah. I recommend it. I don't want to oversell it because it's just this nice, it's just a nice little movie yeah. with some really great bits. I'm sold. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Can't go wrong Watch with Martin Freeman. I love great yeah. bits. Yeah, Martin Freeman's great. He's really great. Yeah. Oh, and there's this other actor. Alex Lothar was one of the actors in the film who's also played a key character in a Black Mirror episode, and he has such a great face. When he gets stressed out or when he gets kind of like scared, he just plays it on his face. And um, his little section of the film, he just is so perfectly vulnerable and creepy that you yeah. kind of like want to hug him and also push him away. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Lauren and I saw a film released April 6th, 1977. <gasps> mm. A long running time of almost two hours. Wow. A story of reincarnation. The story. Of Audrey Rose. (laughs) The mother, the father, the child, the stranger. He's going to harm us. It will alter your ideas about life after death forever. Have you guys seen Audrey? No, I've never seen it. So I suggested we watch this because when I was young, my Aunt Dahlia showed me this movie and I feel like it was my exorcist because it was scary as fuck. When you're like, I think it was like eight or nine. I don't even wow. know. Wow. So you're, Jeez. that's crazy because that's about the age of the main character in oh, this wow. movie too. And watching it, thinking of you seeing that at that age. Oh my God. If we showed our daughter that movie, oh, she wouldn't be able shit. to sleep. No. <laughs> it would mess her up. Yeah. Look at me. I'm going to blame Aunt Dahlia for Audrey Rose. <laughs> But yeah, no, she, she showed me really cool movies. Um, she was adventurous. Body Snatchers and like all kinds wow. of crazy. The Ghost in Mrs. Muir. I don't know if any of you Oh yeah, yeah like that's that a great one. So it was the last horror film directed by the late Robert Wise. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Robert also famously responsible for The Sound of Music, West yep. Side Story, Star Trek, The Motion Picture, The Haunting, The, the Day, Day the Earth Stood Still. Yeah. yeah, editor of Citizen Kane. That's right. That was actually his big break yeah. was editing Citizen Kane. Curse of the Cat People. Yes. We talked about yep. on our 40s episode. It's based on a book by Frank De Felita, who also wrote the novel based on the real life paranormal case, The Entity, took place in Culver City in 1978. And he got the idea to do the movie because his six-year-old son could play ragtime piano. 
just like not even taught, just knew how to play amazingly. The kid would say, you know, it's just so easy. It's like someone else's hands are playing the piano. So that's that's where he got the idea, like maybe his son in a past life played ragtime piano. I also think of Tori Amos, who knew how to play piano before she could string a sentence together at like two could just play piano. Wow. That's incredible. Would make sense. We should just have her on. (laughs) (laughs) That's a reason to have her on. Why not? It stars a young girl. She's played by Susan Swift, who's also in Halloween 6. Here in her debut theatrical role, and she's 10-year-old Ivy Templeton, who lives with her parents, played by Marsha Mason and John Beck, in perhaps the coolest apartment building I've ever seen. Not only on film, ever. He was sold. (laughs) He was just sold. There's lush wood paneling, there's amazing finished carpentry work, there's murals on the ceiling, and it's this massive, sprawling apartment building. And the cool thing is, it exists. No He's way. He's ready to move in. It's, it, if you have $15 million, you can buy one yourself. <laughs> That's cool. We're not moving It's in a building in New York, 1 West 67th Street. It's still there to this day. It's called Hotel des Artistes. And yeah, literally, you go on the real estate listings 15 million sometimes higher for some of the suites in there massive floor-to-ceiling windows anyway the 10 year old's family's daughter is approached by a man played by anthony hopkins oh a very spry looking anthony (laughs) hopkins who believes their daughter is a reincarnation of his dead daughter the plot thickens there we go the film leads with probably one of the most well done and shocking opening scenes that i've ever seen It's incredibly chilling and really sets the dark tone. The little girl, she had to have an acting coach for the film because she's playing two people. They compare the film to The Exorcist. They think that she was cast because she kind of looks like Reagan. And the certain way that they film it just reminds people of The Exorcist. It really does a good job of capturing a real sense of despair and takes you through quite a lot through the very long running time. But it manages to maintain suspense, I found, by not giving anything away right away and keeps you talking about the mystery, even like, say, if we went and got frozen yogurt in the middle or whatever. We'd talk about, I wonder I wonder what's really going on in the movie. I wonder how it's going to end up. <laughs> yeah, I still have questions. Yeah, so it, 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 it's suspenseful oh. enough. It keeps you really engaged. And it also really takes the notion of reincarnation very seriously to the extent where they don't seem to be really aiming to just scare you. It just creates an uneasy feeling by exploring this very dark possibility that reincarnation could be a real deal. It made me look up reincarnation and there's just some crazy stories about there's this one Swedish lady named Barbara Carleen who believes that she lived as Anne Frank in a past life and she pissed that everyone's reading her diary. Yes, she's very angry. (laughs) I guess she started writing novels and literature at 12, and she is trying to convince her parents when she was 10, like, that's not my name. My name is Anne Frank. And she had horrible nightmares about, like, guards coming into her room and dogs and her being captured. When she was 10, she convinced her parents to take her to Amsterdam, and they checked into a random hotel. And this is before the days of the internet. And they said, okay, well, let's get a cab. We're going to go to Anne Frank's house. And she said, no, it's really close to here. Let me take you. And on foot, 
she knew exactly how to get to Anne Frank's house. And then when she got there, she's like, yeah, they removed the stairs and just her parents weren't believers until they went there. And then she would recall in my room, I had pictures of celebrities on the wall. Where are they? And then they had confirmed that they had taken them off because people were trying to steal them and then they were going to put them back on and put them over glass. It's just crazy. If you look up stories about reincarnation, there's just crazy stories of kids being so adamant, like I was this person and, you know, I fought in the war and I I was friends with this person. They have first names and net last names like when they're three. And then people will go back in history and be like that pilot was friends with they were both in the same plane and just you should just Google and watch reincarnation <laughs> videos on YouTube. Cause have you guys seen the movie Birth? No. No. It's so good. Nicole Kidman. Mm-hmm. It's so creepy. It's about a, a boy, 10-year-old boy, who claims that he is her the reincarnation of her dead husband. And just like fancy New York apartment building. Maybe the same building. I don't know. It's so well done because it's so... I mean, it's creepy and spooky. It's so good. A couple fun facts. Brooke Shields screen tested for the role of Ivy. Brooke was actually the cover model for the paperback version of the original novel. A sequel to the novel was published in 1982 called For Love of Audrey Rose. And there's a great scene that I wanted to revisit that was actually shot in LA. And I was so excited because there's this restaurant scene. And I love, I was talking to Austin the other day, I love good LA restaurants so you can go and visit and eat history. Really? Right? Musso and Franks, the Tam O'Shanters, the Smokehouse, to name a few. So there was a scene shot in this old Italian restaurant. Beautiful. Found out it's Valentino's restaurant on Pico. We look it up. The pictures look exactly like it did in the movie in the 70s. I was like, we are going. Closed in January. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Forever. Oh, yeah. Bummed. But it, it was apparently like a like an L.A. landmark for so many years. Yeah. We so should I'm have reviewed this that. last year. Exactly, <laughs> right? <laughs> gone. Just missed it. Damn. Go watch Audrey Rose. And Paranormal Activity and Ghost Stories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, movies. You've accidentally summoned the Boo Crew. Are you troubled by strange noises in the night? You experience feelings of dread in your basement or attic? Have you or any of your family ever seen a spook, specter, or ghost? If the answer is yes, then don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. We're ready to believe you. And now, on with the show. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. All right, joining the Boo Crew in the Speakeasy studio is a truly fascinating and remarkable woman. She's a senior executive at one of the most well-known entertainment companies in the world, 20th Century Fox. As president, chief data strategist, and head of media, she is the skilled marketing genius behind the campaigns of some of the biggest films in Hollywood, Avatar, Deadpool, and many more. And if you thought that was cool, here's where it gets really interesting. In the spring of 2014, she accidentally takes a picture of something so spectacular. It awakens what has been rooted in her being as a calling. She has said herself she felt invisible until she started seeing things that were invisible to other people. And in doing so, she will open your eyes and hearts to the world of ghosts, psychics, and the spirit realm. She has written a spectacular new book serving as a roadmap to this journey she has taken called The Ghost Photographer. Published by Simon & Schuster and available everywhere now, we are honored to welcome Julie Rieger. 
Hi, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for being here. Well, thanks so much for having me in this really wicked, crazy place. Hey, thanks. <laughs> the book is absolutely wonderful. Although the subject matter can get extremely spooky, you handle the narrative and the many overwhelming realizations of the many gifts you have found yourself bestowed with, with a hilarious sense of humor about all of this and strength. Because I tell you, if I had discovered I was the conduit for ghost communication, I would probably be losing my mind. <laughs> well, I fancy myself to be kind of funny. So it comes out on the page. Though your story does start with a very impactful loss. It's a very important part of your journey. Can you talk to us a bit about the beginning of this, this whole ride? Yeah, I can. My mother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Actually, it's been 18 years ago as of a couple days ago. And she died eight years ago on February 10th. It was so devastating to me. I, you know, it's funny. I've encountered so many people that have suffered loss and it's never good, right? It's never, whether it's a quick loss, a slow loss. I thought, because it was, you know, it's a very slow decline. I had a decade to get used to the idea. And what I learned was you never know how you feel until it happens. I had talked to myself and I can handle this. I can, I, I'm good as she'll be in a better place and all that. And the minute it happens, I was a puddle. And so I was grieving and I was grieving hard. And I was grieving big. Anything I do, I do big. And boy, did I grieve big. And not long after that, I met this brilliant woman. Her name is um, Brenda Villa, who is such a gifted psychic. She's the one I said that she should have um, super psychic, like sewn on the back of the cake. <laughs> right. And she first actually communicated with my mother. I, I'd never experienced a psychic before. And I was 41. I mean, I wasn't a child. You know, like I am a grown ass adult. I can say ass, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm a grown ass adult and I've never experienced this. And it was very real. And then not long after that is when I started seeing ghosts and photographs. And because I have an incredibly obsessive personality, I'm halfway obsessed with you guys already, <laughs> that I have now taken over 9,000 pictures of ghost wow. because I can pretty much get them on demand, command. I mean, it's like Netflix for me. It's always on. Well, uh, for instance, you came in here and you took a picture of the room and you saw. I did. Yeah. I did. I can find them just because they are everywhere. That's the thing. You know, people, it's funny. I've encountered so many interesting people into this whole journey. You know, I have somebody that will call me and say, you know, this weird thing's going on in my girlfriend's building, but it's brand new. So they think because it's a new building, something can't be happening. I'm like, baby, you can open a portal anywhere. You know, it's like it doesn't have to be old. It's like people have these preconceived ideas that only ghost exists where there's something old. And I think that we completely screw this up with the movie business. Like we mm -hmm. have totally, totally ruined ghosts, like what they really are, <laughs> through film. And you're welcome. And, <laughs> and we've ruined a lot of things. One of them is ghosts. And it doesn't have to be based on, you know, the age of a home or of a town. But now there are truths to that, though, where you go to any old Civil War site and there will be a lot of activity because of the type of death that happened there. So because so much of it was shocking, unexpected, is that that soul is still lost. And so it's still roaming in that area. But ghost art can be anywhere and everywhere. I see them. I saw I'm coming out with a bang on this already. Is that, I saw an alien in my backyard. <laughs> I had a picture of it. Oh, little fuckers? This little fucker, that was his name. I didn't know what to call him, so I called him that little fucker. He had a, he had a t shirt on, right? They wear shirts, I guess. And uh, it said C32. And I'm like, what does that mean? And I kept calling him little fuckers. I tried to figure it out. <laughs> so thank you. So, would it be the ghost of an alien or. Good question. 
Because it's all energy, right? And I think that people think that aliens have to have like the green skin and they have blood. And I mean, listen, I'm no expert in this department. I'm an expert in some departments, I think, at this point. But the alien department is not my aisle. Somebody else has to go on that one and clean it up because I'm not exactly sure. But one of the photographs that I captured looked like it came out of a Steven Spielberg movie. I mean, it like a gray alien with the eyes and the big head and and it looked real. I don't know what else to tell you other than wow. that. Well, again, do you think that's a movie thing that we only think the term alien comes to your mind only because of Close Encounters or some other movie? Like movies have written these myths in ways that are, like you said, very disconnected from the actual reality of what's going on here. Some of them have and some of them haven't. Oh. Because I think what's interesting about aliens, because ghost is all about haunting. Let's just go scare the shit out of you at every corner or have the babysitter run up the stairs or whatever it is that we do in horror films. Aliens to me is a whole other thing that I think is really fascinating because one thing that I think filmmakers have done with aliens is that they've brought them here on Earth. And you can go ask anybody, do you believe in aliens? They'll probably say, yeah, sure. Do you believe they're here? Oh, no. No. No, they're not here. No, they're there. Right? But they're not here. And I think film has actually brought them here and interacted with us. And not always a Independence Day kind of way. Like, obviously, E.T. wasn't that. You know, Close Encounters is a bit different. But I think the film has actually not deserved. Sounds weird. Film has not deserved the alien. <laughs> Who says that? <laughs> apparently, I did. <laughs> and like, apparently, so, sorry, um, sleep paralysis. That people who have mm-hmm. suffered from sleep paralysis, they see those same gray aliens. So here's what I know about sleep paralysis, and this is one of the areas I think that I know quite a bit about. One of the chapters in my book that I will tell you, I wanted to call something else, but it flipped everybody out. The publishing company. Sorry, Simon Schuster. (laughs) You know, Katie Flannery from The Office Mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. a friend. And so she renamed it for me. I wanted to call it The Devil is Afraid of Me. And somebody's like, Julie, you know, people get triggered by the word devil. I said, if they're not triggered by that point already in my book, I don't know how a chapter heading is going to really trigger somebody more. (laughs) I have had a lot of experience with people. I don't have sleep paralysis, but with people that do. And what they see is the hat man. Mm -hmm, Right. I don't know of any that have actually seen an alien, but maybe the hat man is an alien is maybe what you're insinuating, but they see, and it's been documented for a thousand years about the hat man. Like this is not a new thing. I'm fascinated by it. There's a documentary called Nightmare of the Nightmare. Well, and you know who, going back to film again, I mean, we're in Hollywood, so why not talk about this, right? Well, we're technically in Burbank. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hollywood would be mad if we called (laughs) (laughs) But it was Nightmare on Elm Street. Name? Freddy Freddy Krueger. No, the guy who- Wes Craven. Wes Craven. Sorry, Wes, if you're listening. But he actually suffers or had suffered from sleep paralysis, and he modeled Freddy Krueger after the hat man. Wow. wow. So Freddy Krueger nice. wears a <laughs> that hat. makes so much yeah. sense. Gets you when you're sleeping. Yeah. Right? Like that was his version right. of the hat man. Wow. But the feeling I think that people get is not unlike what he, you know, shows on, on, the, on screen. Everyone who I've dealt with and actually have helped because I really work with these folks to get them through it. I get him off pills, <laughs> tell him, stop going to sleep clinic. Let me tell you what you need to do. And I'll tell you in a second. But what they say is like when they're, I'm going to back up. If you guys buy into the fact that we're a spirit having a human experience, right? That when we sleep, it's only our physical body that needs to rest, not our spirit, not our soul. Our soul goes off and parties in like the astral plane, 
right? We can go have conversations. We probably all talked before. We probably talked about this before it happened, just to freak everybody out. <laughs> you weren't a part of it. Um, and when the body comes back to land, sometimes people wake up before the spirit lands. So their body's awake, but they can't talk, they can't move. And it kind of leaves what I think this little opening for either the hat man or the old hag on the chest or whatever the various entities are that are scaring the shit out of people can kind of enter in and the feeling that they have, like literally they're trapped. They can't move. They can't scream. A very close friend of mine who I write about in the book named Alex Van Camp um, is one of my coworkers at Fox that his wife told me stories about. She would hear Alex, you know, kind of whisper like really soft. He thought he was screaming. Wow. He thought he was screaming. Mm. That's how it felt. Like it's, it's a petrifying experience. And with him, what I started doing was um, I brought everybody. So all the listeners know I brought gifts and one of them is black tourmaline. So this black tourmaline that I gave him, I said, put on your nightstand. And then also when you travel, here's a to go one. And he had no experience until he was in Seattle one night and he forgot his black tourmaline. And that's when he had the next experience with the hat. That's crazy. Wow. So black tourmaline like casts this. It's like an aura around you, if you will. Like, I have a friend who's a seer. Like she's really impressive. And I sent her some. And because she had sleep paralysis. And she said the first night, she goes, it was really weird. She goes, it's like I saw this thin electric blue shield around me. She goes, and I could see the images of things trying to get through but they kept bouncing back she was and it's the safest i've ever felt wow. wow and so black tourmaline does that for people and so it protects you while you sleep so when you're going out partying you know you're protected when you come back to land now if i didn't lose everybody or freak everybody out or jaws aren't hitting the ground i didn't do my job <laughs> i want to go back to meeting brenda yeah did you Seek her out as a psychic. Many times we're driving around Burbank. We'll see the psychic place. We'll decide to go in or we won't. Did you seek her out? Or did you know her? Did she come up to you? Was it unsolicited? How did that strike you? She um, is a very close friend of my wife and I are. We call them our gay husbands. Everybody needs them, by the way. There should be a gay husband hotline. Amazing to have in your life. That may be my next job after Disney buys Fox is I'm going to go out and do a gay husband hotline. I really want a sister wife. Like you want to same diff, just so you know. Right. Same diff, someone no estrogen. Dinner, it's fantastic. Someone to wash our kids, just not sleep with my husband, but you know, <laughs> sister wife. Yeah. With or limited gay. resources. Or gay husbands. <laughs> They're usually pretty well off, too. So they'll buy nice. you pretty things. So one of our gay husbands had been friends with her for 25 years. And when we first met Brenda and her partner, David, at uh, Ruben and Jimmy's house, who used to live in Sherman Oaks. It was funny. Brenda had said to me, and it was right after my mom died, and she looked at me and she goes, it doesn't have to be this hard. I had no idea what she was talking about. I had no idea that she was a psychic. I had no idea of no idea, <laughs> right? So then I lost my mom in uh, February of 2010. And then five months later, one of our best friends was killed suddenly in a car accident. I guess all car accidents are kind of sudden. Really close friend of ours named Mona, who only lived um, 12 houses up from us. After that, she said, let me do a group reading for you guys to connect you with Mona. We were, listen, Mona's son was living with Suzanne and I at the time. It was a lot of chaos that was happening in our lives because of all this. And we wanted to find, where's the will, right? The big question, where's the will? Um, so let's connect with Mona. So I'm ready, right? Like, okay, Mona, let's go. I can do this. One of the first things out of Brenda's mouth was Reuben, gay husband number one, 
Ruben, I, I have both your parents here. We're like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Julie, I have your mom and your dad here. And I'm like, what? Oh, what? Who? Julie who? I wasn't ready for that. And so she asked them to step aside, maybe about 45 minutes later after we talked to Mona and didn't find the will for the record. My dad came through and then my mom came through and I was a mess. It was them. There was no doubt in my mind. My father called me out on shit I'd been saying my whole life. He died when I was 13. And I would tell everybody, now that would turn into therapy. Um, <laughs> but I would tell everybody I grew up without a dad. Right. It was like, you know, we all had that tape player in our head and we play the same thing over and over and over again during our lives. You guys are bound to have that. We'll have a drinking game about it later. (laughs) And um, mine was I grew up without a dad. The first thing that came out of his slash Brenda's mouth was you can stop telling people you grew up without a father. I was always there. You just didn't see me. And I looked at Suzanne and she goes, you've been busted. (laughs) I'm like, oh, my God. Yes, I have. Like crazy. Well, so there's no way Brenda had any inkling. Oh, that he, hell no. no. There is no way. Wow. And the stuff that she, that uh, my mother had communicated, there's no way. And then the same thing happened, you know, again, I say not long after because I'm terrible with dates and timelines. We had dinner one night with Teresa Caputo, Long Island Medium. She walks in the door and she's doing that bite in her lip. Have you guys seen her? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she yeah. bites her lip. You watch her all the time, like, yeah. On TLC, bites her lip. I love this woman. She's amazing. Biting her lip, walking up to me and she goes, you're Julie. And I went, Hi. And she goes, you lost your mom? I'm like, mm-hmm. She goes, well, she's been bugging me for the last couple blocks. And she goes, she keeps telling me that you can do what I can do. I go, what? Bullshit. <laughs> so after the ghost photography, I actually started to have mediumship skills. Crazy. And then I was able to start, one thing I don't talk about in the book, because again, not that talking about the devil's afraid of me is a triggering thing, but they, we didn't talk about the remote viewing ability. You guys have talked about remote viewing before, where you can sit in a space and I can look at another place geographically that's not where I am and see what's going on. You guys know that's remote. Wow. Yeah, there's yeah. actually a, there was, was a, a movie. Oh, there was? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. George Clooney movie. I should know that. No, it was a great movie with uh, um, Captain Picard. Uh, what's his name, the actor? I think everyone knows oh. Captain Picard. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick yeah. Stewart? Uh, Patrick Stewart? Uh, ben, Patrick Stewart? I'm sorry, Ben Kingsley. Oh, Ben Kingsley. Oh, uh-huh. Ben Kingsley. <laughs> the other, the other Captain Picard. Yeah, which Picard was that? <laughs> 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 You're right. <laughs> but no, it had a, a cameo of Major Ed Dames in the movie. He's like one of the remote viewers of, you know, the last, I don't know, 20, 30 years. And it was a great movie because it had to do with a serial killer. They're they're trying to hunt a serial killer. And he's doing the whole remote viewing thing where he's giving, you know, he's, um, I can't remember the terminology, but he's sitting there and he's writing down targets. Yeah. That's what it is. He's writing down targets, like, you know, either a a scent or location. There was a government program, like legitimate government program that had remote viewers. That's the George Clooney movie. That's George Clooney movie. What's it called? Project? uh, Something about uh, about goats. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, legitimately, there was government programs. And I think one of the guys is still alive who was in that program back in the 60s, 70s, something uh, like uh, that. Major Ed Dames. There you go. And Captain McCoy. Project Stargate. (laughs) 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 That's called Project Stargate. So I started doing that. That's amazing. Wow. And it was weird. Like, all this has been weird. I can't say it wasn't meant to be. I can just say it was been weird. So there was one night. I was laying in bed. I say to Suzanne, I go, why is your friend Wanda sleeping on the couch? She goes, what? I go, I can see her. I can see her condo and I don't know why she's on the couch. I said, she goes, I, what, what, the, what the hell are you doing? I go, I don't know. Next day, she calls her friend Wanda. She's like, Wanda, did you sleep last night? She was on the couch. She goes, oh shit. 
<laughs> What's happening? And so, you know, I got a call one time from my my old boss. I wrote about him, Tony Sella. Yeah, he's like you might know who he is. I mean, he's legendary in movie marketing, and I love this man. And one Saturday, this is something that's not in the book. One Saturday, I see his number come up on my cell phone. I'm like, Hey, Tony, what's up? And he goes, Oh, and it's like, Hi, Julie. It's Peggy, his wife. And I'm like, Hey, Peg, what's happening? And she's just kind of like chit-chatting away with me. I'm like, all right, sister, land the plane. I know something's going on. What is it? And uh, I'm impatient, too, sometimes. Like, just land it, man. Just like, what do you want? And she goes, well, Tony's walking around the house with a baseball bat. I go, well, okay, why? She goes, well, there's this door that keeps slamming upstairs, and, you know, we think it's a ghost. I said, so he thinks a baseball bat's going to be <laughs> yeah, <helpful?" right. laughs> And I'm like, I thought I taught him better than that. She goes, apparently you didn't. He needs to go back to class. I said, okay. I said, here's the thing. Suzanne and I are getting ready to go out. I need to jump in the shower. When I'm in the shower, I'm going to go have a conversation. Let me see what's going on and take care of this. So I go in the shower, which I love because like, right, water clearing, right? So I'm in a really clear place when I'm in the water. So the pool or the shower, something's amazing. So I close my eyes and I start looking in their house and I see, I have my eyes closed because I can see him now. I, I see this ghost. He starts to argue with me. He's like, I was invited. I said, no, you weren't. He's like, well, that guy... And he was referring to Tony, invited me. I said, no, he doesn't know what he's doing. You're not invited. So I like had to get the guy out. So I get out of the shower, get ready. We leave the next day. I'm like, you know, I haven't heard back from these guys. So I called. And I said, hey, Peg, everything okay? She goes, it was so weird. About 30 minutes after I talked to you, it stopped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I was about viewing. So crazy. All this started like the kind of a chain reaction of finding all like this discoveries about yourself. The catalyst was your first ghost picture, would yeah, you say? It was. And that was that bird formation yeah. that showed up in your window one day. Yeah. Talk a little bit about so that, strange. what you saw and how you found a ghost in that photo. Yeah. Suzanne and I just came back from New Orleans and uh, we were sober and upon arrival this time. And um, nobody laughed. That was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> All the time. We're going to New Orleans like next week too. So I'm super excited. Hopefully I won't come back and discover some other weird thing, you know, like a nine foot creature in the bed or something. So we come home and I see this, I call it a bird stain. I don't know what else to call it, but you know, you see like the white powder that is attached to glass by the oil of a bird, right? And you could see the wingspan. You could even see the beak, which I thought was very strange and I go outside and look and there was no bird I was expecting to see a bird carcass and I thought it was so strange that I took a picture of it and I texted it to Brenda and I'm like what the hell she calls me elf I call her witchy poo so I'm like hey witchy poo what the hell and she writes back and she's like hey hey, my elf open your eyes don't you see the spook right this is like how a psychic would talk to you Hey, Elf, open your eyes. (laughs) Don't you see the spook? Right? Who says that? So she goes over to the left, and I look. I'm like, holy shit, there's a ghost. And she goes, oh, yeah, there's not just one. Like, there's more, there's more. That was, you know, first encounter. Of course, I start to freak out because we made poltergeist. So I'm like, oh my God, we're screwed. <laughs> what have I done? I've opened up a portal. I don't know if there's, you know, wasn't it Carrie Ann? Yes. Yep. Yep. Ann, oh my God. I just, you know, I started, uh, had my now gone dog Homer, my boy, who would walk the perimeter of the house, the property with me. I would sage and be like, I would talk to Homer and say, Homer, we're talking to your grandma so she could protect our space. I didn't know what I was doing. One day I sat the sage pot down. And because it wasn't burned all the way down, I was a Girl Scout, so I wasn't going to leave it, you know, unattended. 
Highest cookie sales, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's cookie season right now. Mine is, uh, 1977. <laughs> wow, we're selling cookies right now. <laughs> if you're interested. Snuck a sale in there. Yeah, nice work. <laughs> Would you like to buy a book? <laughs> we'll swap. We did. So you did. Yeah, True, yeah, you yeah. did. So I owe you cookies. I owe you cookie purchase. So she brought us the sword. Yeah, yes, that's true. true. Free he was selling us. <laughs> we'll give you a free cookie. <laughs> Thanks. I like thin mints. So, um, so I sat the pot down, and just for some reason, I got out my because I took all my ghost pictures on an iPhone, right? Like I am no photographer. I claim to be one, but I'm not. It's like anybody else. I just shoot it with a iPhone. So I started taking pictures of the smoke, and that's where the magic happened. That's where everything changed because what I found is that you know smoke was like a canvas for the ghost images crazy i can find them in anybody's facebook account by the way and mirrors and if you have smoke in anything somebody's a smoker i can definitely find them in your you were a smoker once or you still are not anymore yeah you were i knew it <laughs> uh, you got some old pictures i bet i could find some in. <laughs> and, and you were a coal smoker too i bet Reports. nice nice it was like the energy of the spirit or the ghost would pull the smoke in and I could see like this whole either head or whole figure. And that's when the obsession went into overdrive. <laughs> like every single night I would go outside, light sage smoke and take a whole bunch. Of, I can't believe Suzanne didn't divorce me. <laughs> I, would have, I would have left me so fast in the dust. I should probably go apologize. <laughs> I should. I should. That was so not cool. So in like horror movies, we see ghosts as like an evil entity wreaking havoc on a yeah. home. Is that what they do? Are there ones that do that kind of stuff? And why do they do it? Yeah, some do. Not all of them. I encountered a lot of, um, I almost said pathetic ghosts, but let's call them sad. I think that a lot of the spirits that are left kind of still on the earth plane are either lost, confused, something like that. Like, so anything that was kind of human-like, there was one I call Mr. Black Eye that showed up. And, I mean, he looked like he got the crap beat out of him. And I think he was lost. So those I try to send back. It's like, hey, dude, you're, let's go find the light and let's go send you home because this is no place for you to hang out. All the electronics, like even in this room, right, we're like a beacon. So when energy is attracted to this, in fact, when I go clear homes, first place I go is to their electrical panel because I'll find a lot of stuff around there. Because I think that a lot of spirits get lost, especially ones that pass in a really quick, devastating, like I said about the Civil War kind of way. And so I think I got a lot of those in my photos. I think I also got, I got pictures of things that look like they pranced out of a movie, which is, was the irony, right? It's like, I go to work and I'm doing make-believe, I go home and make-believe's in my real life. <laughs> right. That was the crazy thing every day. I was like, what's happening to me? Is there something wrong with me? <laughs> Because that's what it felt like. It felt everything was like reversed. But yeah, some of them do wreak havoc and some of them are real jackasses. And I had a few photos of those. I actually had a few photos. Again, I'm telling you all the stuff that Simon and Schuster cut because I think that's some of the most interesting sure. stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please. But there was a photo and you know what I'll do? I have it with me. I will email it to you. Yeah. 
because it's really freaky. And it was sent to me by a crystal carver in China. I love crystal skulls. I love skulls in general. I have a collection of about 60 plus of them now. And I actually have them carved for me, right? We're just getting weirder and weirder. <laughs> Keep what, me here longer and it's going to get What's the significance stranger. of a crystal skull? What, um, what are they used for? Well, I, one, the skull itself, remind me not to lose track where we were somebody because I want to answer your question. The... No, no, we're, I can ADD all night. The skull itself to me represents um, impermanence. Like it is a reminder that we're just visitors in this body and to make the most out of it, right? Memento Mori. It's like we are, we are not immortal in the body, right? Now the crystals, what's really interesting is that it can attract other entities that come into it and they can, they talk. Like it's kind of becomes a home for them. So I have very chatty crystal skulls. There are some people who can really communicate with those. I have two. I have one in particular that is a 20-pound Numite skull. And Numite has been dated um, back to 3 billion years old and it's considered one of the Earth's first crusts. It's only found in Greenland. Wow. You'll never find a skull this size anymore because they don't let, they can only get in like a, a few months out of the year because again, it's Greenland or Greenland. I think nice. I said it in a very Greenland. <laughs> uh, I apologize nice. to anybody who's from there that I, I bought your country's name and they only let them carry out by hand now. So this is a 20 pound skull. So imagine it probably had they, to start with a 40 pound piece and be carved. It? Are they molded? They're carved. Carved. They're carved. Oh. This guy in particular is amazing, and his name is Bob. He's so amazing. He can his name is the same frontwards and backwards. <laughs> um, that um, one day Suzanne had a feather duster and she was kind of cleaning the house, and she's like, "That son of a bitch giggled at me." She's like, "I was dusting, and he just giggled." And it's like he just talks like he's a part of it's. I know I sound even crazier, but it's it's actually true. So he's like a really I think he's an old spirit that came in to kind of help out interesting now are these entities people who have passed or does it go deeper than that it's deeper than that yeah the people who have passed are pretty easy to communicate with these other ones that come in are i don't think i have saint michael hanging out in you know a skull but i think that there are some definitely ascended master like it depends who you bring in like um the woman who owns a crystal matrix, who is also a mentor of mine, Patricia Bankins. If you guys haven't been there, you should go. She's in Atwater Village. She's amazing. Actually, she can bring in these masters into her skulls. Like wow. She's very gifted in that way. It's a great place to hang out. So the photograph was from this guy named Wade. His name really isn't Wade, but you know, when you deal with a lot of people in China, they give themselves American names and his American name he gave himself was Wade. So Wade sent me this photograph of a line of skulls. I think his cousin was carving and he's like, you know, Miss Julie, do you like any of these? And I said, well, if you get the ghost out of the way, I could see them. He goes, what do you mean? And I said, well, if you look, it looks like this ghost like materially changed the skulls that it was coming through and it looked like an evil motherfucker and it is scary that's why i'll send it yeah, to you i want to see it is sc- i looked at that thing and it's black and it has like this look on it on a face and i'm like dude i don't want any of those things i don't know what the hell you're doing over there but you need to clean that place up you like, oh miss julie only you would would point that out (laughs) wait from china what are you talking about only i would point that out you have an evil mfer in your studio it materially changed like it looked like it molecularly changed the objects around it so there are some evil scary things out there like i've i've seen things come through photographs or like i'm pointing P- sorry guys you can't see me pointing at things in the room I don't <laughs> so i will describe it like a framed portrait or a picture 
I've seen them come through where it looks like they stretch the canvas out. Crazy stuff. Have you ever been called upon to do something like an exorcism? Have an entity actually possessed a person? Yeah, I have been called upon a number of times. I've been called upon a lot with sleep paralysis. That was my first kind of foray into this. And it was funny, so I was talking to Brenda today on the phone, and I said, you know what, Brenda? I go, I don't know about you, but I'm detracting a lot of people with nightmares and night terrors and portals. How about you? How's your week been? (laughs) (laughs) Very specific shop talk. (laughs) Right? She's like, yeah, no, my Elfie, no, no, Elfie, I don't, I I haven't had any of that this week. Ever since my book has been out, I've had a lot of really interesting people that have reached out. And one of the first people that reached out was this really, who's turned out, I think, to be a friend of our family. It's strange. If you reach out, you may become my friend. It's weird. (laughs) I'm a little too open for this line of work, I think. It's like, I like, I want to like everybody. But it's really a guy named Bill. Bill from Oceanside. There's a lot of Bills, so I'm not, I don't think I'm going to, I think he's still anonymous. (laughs) He reached out, was concerned about his daughter. His daughter's three years old. And one morning, woke up and had scratches on her ankles and he asked well you know where did these come from her i can't remember what her invisible if suzanne was here she would tell you all the right words because she remembers everything and i remember nothing whatever her invisible friend's name is let's call him frank for fun because it's not what it is he's like wait your invisible friend did this to you well it doesn't seem like it's much of a friend and she's like well i'm scared of him and so he reached out and goes i don't know who to turn to that's the next hotline i'm gonna get by the way, first is gay husband hotline. Next is going to be a possession hotline. He goes, I don't know where to turn. I've had a lot of those. I've had a lot of it. I don't know where to turn. I don't know what to do. Can you help me? I read this email and I mean, it literally, it was like days after my book. And I was like, oh shit, what am I going to do? So I sat on it for a few days and I wrote him back. I said, yeah, I think I can find you help. I said, I think it's me. I said, I have to travel to New York and do this thing. When I come back into town, I'll come down to Oceanside and meet your daughter and, and see what we can find out. So Suzanne and I go, she's my handy assistant because she didn't leave me for all the ghost obsession. <laughs> so she has a really great job now. So we go down there and I meet their, well, I see their daughter and I had done a meditation before I went there just to see what I was getting myself into. And when we walked in, I said, Bill, does she have like a birthmark in between her eyes? And he goes, come here. And this child has a birthmark in between her eyes. And he goes, how did you know that? I said, I saw it. Before, you know, I came here, I was looking, just looking to see what I, what I was getting myself into. So she gives me a little, she's three, by the way. And this child is extraordinary. She's three. I go, well, tell me where, what you're most afraid of. Where's the location? And she points into the middle of her closet. She goes, there. I said, okay, well, we're going to take care of that. I said, does your friend ask you to do things that you don't want to do or, or not say things? She's like, uh-huh. So she's like, you know, talk to me about all this stuff. And so I sit down with her mom and dad and I said, your child is just gifted. She's not possessed. She's gifted and she needs to learn how to handle this because this is her world now. She has a clear view to the other side as it is, as if it is this one. So we're going to work on how she needs rules and she needs to lay down rules and lay down laws of what can come in, what can't come in. Now, have I done an exorcism? No, but I kind of know I'm going to at one point. I have a kit for it, like I put together. I know that sounds weird. I went and bought old Pyrex pie dishes or like, you know what I'm talking Mm -hmm. about? Because old Pyrex um, doesn't shatter when you light it on fire with alcohol and salt in the bottom of it. Right, right. So, oh, I got a whole thing. I am so ready. (laughs) I know. I just know. 
that I'm going to get. I know that's going to happen. Should we I bring just... in someone who's possessed? <laughs> <laughs> bring him right now. Yeah, bring him in. <laughs> Behind curtain number three <laughs> is our possession. <laughs> Damien, welcome. It's good to have you tonight. Um, so I, I have helped remove entities. I don't know if you call that. But I mean, I haven't mm-hmm. had somebody who's taken over someone's body, but I've had a lot of instances where there has been attachments, right? Made people physically ill had them do things that they wouldn't normally do that happens a lot i get a lot of those that's why i'm a big selenite girl so to the folks listening i brought a bag full of treats for the boo crew and in the bag of treats i brought a lot of selenite sticks and selenite is the beauty of selenite it is one of the cheapest rocks you can buy so you do not have to go mortgage your house to buy this particular rock other rocks new might yes selenite no you use it as a wand and wave it across all your entire body, bottom of the feet, and it really cuts cords, and it can help get rid of those entities. The other thing is taking an Epsom salt bath with lavender, bay leaf. Fantastic. Dunk your head, whole body, because salt will burn the shit out of them. It will get rid of them. Like, it literally just, they're gone. Old wives' tale thing, right? Just put salt around your bed at night? Not an old wives' tales, baby. It works. It's New like wives' tale. New wives' tale. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually, right, yeah. I, I, I want you to say, Julie, you're working on another book? And I'm going to say, yes, I'm working on a cookbook. Oh. And in the cookbook, I'm talking about, uh, writing it with Brenda, I'm talking about ingredients. And I'm like, in our food, we don't use salt. We actually sprinkle it around our house at night to protect <laughs> it from unwelcome guests. Wow. So, like, I got a swimming pool, a saline or salt pool? Yeah, saline pool. Is that, that's probably the same kind of thing? Saline's great for you to get into, I yes. I every day in it. I love it. Before we sold our house, I had a saline pool, and I was clear every morning. Yeah. I swim every morning. It's the greatest thing. Yeah, that's it. good. Is well sh- done, former smoker. <laughs> <laughs> Is there something... Yeah. <laughs> Is there something in particular that opens someone up to either having entity attachment or entity in their home, any of that stuff that requires a house cleaning or (laughs) or any of these things. Do not bring antiques into your home unless you've cleared them. Mm. Oh, you're screwed. Oops. Oops. (laughs) (laughs) Clear that piano. That that could be what's... (laughs) It could be what I saw on a camera earlier. I play guitar, so I play guitar. It's really old. I can just feel like the energy. Yeah. The history. It's hard yeah. to explain. Maybe it's Robert Johnson, man. Um, it's not hard <laughs> to explain. I will actually explain it to you. Everything that we make, everything that we spend time with in touch, we leave a part of us on it. So you have the energy of those who either made it or played it before. Sometimes when someone has passed, they can stay attached to an object. And that's why you just want to clear them. Just like sage it up. Say, if you're not here for the highest good of me and my family, you can leave. Like you can, like this is not hard stuff. You can get rid of this stuff. It's, we clear everything that goes into our house. We have a clearing bowl in our... I mean, I'm a very protective gal. That's why they don't come see me. Because <laughs> they're afraid of me. I will mess with them right back. Because <laughs> I'm in charge. I feel like I'm the sheriff, you know? <laughs> and, the sheriff uh, of ghost town? The sheriff of ghost sheriff town. Of town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's a big old lesbo. <laughs> That's the sheriff. That's what every sheriff should be. Everyone should be protective if every sheriff were a lesbian. We're good that way. That's our purpose. But bringing antiques into a house, I think, is a real issue. Also, if we're not in our body, right? Does everybody know what that means? So if your listeners don't know what being in your body means, it's like if you are so busy in your head and you're thinking about what you're going to do next and where you're going to go that you're not paying attention to the present moment, your body is not in tune with your spirit, right? With your soul, you can pick up any old entity on the street and drag it in your own house. That happens more. Like, I have more people that drag stuff over. I actually will want people 
in the house is very strange in my house. <laughs> I will wand them. I will do all that kind of stuff. In my office, I have a crystal grid. In my office, I have black tourmaline, but I have the like nice sweet stones like, you know, rose quartz. People come off they don't want to leave because it's like, it's gridded, man. It's safe. And I have Palo Santo even though you're not supposed to light anything, so nobody tell anybody at Fox. <laughs> don't tell Fox facilities, or at least air this after the acquisition, but don't tell me at Fox facilities that I light stuff in my office, but it's only for the good and not evil. But I think people can, they drag them with them. They can inadvertently, you know, open portals. Like I see you have a little Ouija coaster. 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 That's a no-no. So if anybody's playing with Ouija boards, don't. Especially if you don't know what you're doing. And that's why I always tell people don't play with them if you don't know what you're doing. Can you believe they market them? Like no. there's pink ones for kids, for little girls now. No, I that cannot. That freaks me out. I, I, <laughs> I think it's irresponsible. At like Target, it was like, buy a Ouija board and get cookie dough for free. It's like, wow, that was the deal. So you can make cookies for your ghost. Parker Brothers is possessed. Maybe this is some evil plan. Let's start something. (laughs) I think think that that we could just, yeah, we can expand to the movie. That's the setup for the movie, right? That's the cold open. (laughs) That's actually kind of fun. That would be like a Jennifer body ish type of, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Great movie, movie, by the way. I love that oh, movie. I you just Diablo Cody here. Oh yeah, Diablo. Yeah. Here. yeah. I just ran into Jason in Chicago. We both were on the Fox station. He was promoting his film, and I, I had my book. And I saw Jason. I said, Jason, I know you don't remember me, but and you may hate me, but I worked on Jennifer's Body. And he's like, Oh my God, how are you? <laughs> like I'm from the bad part of the company that did Jennifer's Body, not from the Juno people that which were the Searchlight. And so we we're just laughing and having a great time, and how we really fully believe that movie was. A little before it's time. Uh, like, yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. we just I loved. I loved that. I loved it. It was just too hard, right? It's like it was too hard for that genre melding yeah, right. that was going yeah. on. Nobody knew what to do. It's a classic when you look back at it now, but if yeah. it came out today, people would yeah. they would go oh, freak oh, out. They would, go, they would go in droves, and yeah, and if. Jason took it to the other Jason Blumhouse it would have been a little bit different because Jason Blumhouse wasn't Jason Blumhouse at the time Blumhouse Productions so I have a question what happened to Frank the friend the invisible friend oh 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 Uh, we sent him away yeah, we convinced him to leave yeah. collectively the, as a it, you and her. She and I did. Yep, that's amazing. Yep. Yeah, yeah, because she can only like when you're like this child is gifted, and so those with gifted children, that's a third hotline. There's a lot of hotlines. I'm going to be yeah, really busy. <laughs> yeah, switchboard. I, I know yeah, a lot of hotlines. The gay husband one though, that's a good one. For those that have gifted children, you know, try to find some help. You know, you can find really great people that either own or who work at different like metaphysical shops, crystal stores, things like that. Like if you don't know where to go, go there. So, so don't... if kids really gifted, at some point could they like stop being gifted at a certain age or are they always gifted? I think only if somebody shuts it down okay. and tells them they're bad or you're evil mm-hmm. or you're crazy. And, and then happen. I think that's when thing. I think that's happens to a lot of kids. People like my friend Brenda, who born with it, she thought that everybody saw what she saw. I know it sounded like seesaw, but it was she saw. <laughs> <laughs> and they all thought that she thought like, oh, everybody sees, you know, these like, you know, these spirits sure, dancing yeah. in front of me, you know, and she's like, it, it was a long, she never, so she didn't say anything. She didn't think it was unusual. So nobody, and I don't think her mom 
would have beat it out of her anyway, but nobody's there to beat it out of her. Right. Like other people are. They need to talk to somebody who can relate to them so they know what to do and just can, can control it because you can use it for good. It's a really great gift. Sure, yeah. Reading someone's mind is magnificent. You can walk into a conference room and you are ahead of everybody else. <laughs> That's right. House in business, you right? You know what's happening. If you're like struggling for an idea, like what should I do at work? Oh, start a data strategy team. Oh, I'll do that. That's what I yeah, do for the record. Like it can really help you out, know how to harness those powers. So those kids could, you know, really have quite a Can you remote into other people's offices before a meeting to prep? You know what I do? I actually will go in and um it's a funny question, but I'm gonna answer you earnestly. Yeah, no, I'm is there are lines actually that I don't cross. Like I really don't want to know things are going because I can go into people's head. I used to accidentally. It was weird. Again, I say everything was weird, but it was weird. And then I stopped, made myself stop doing it because it was rude, right? right? So you, I try not to be rude, but what I'll do either in someone's home, weirdly, I couldn't see this place when I was looking. So I'm just going to let you know, there's you got something fun going on here that I couldn't see in. I swear probably, it's a piano. Probably. Uh, it's a piano. <laughs> um, but I, I try to look and um, so whether it's an office, a conference room, something like that, I will go in and I will clear the space hmm. is what I'll do first. Yeah, yeah. What's taught at the Berkeley Psychic Institute is um, use roses. You guys ever heard, you know, a lot of psychics use roses you've heard or you see roses on like psychic mm-hmm. um, logos or yeah, yeah, imagery and stuff. Imagery. The rose is used to shift and change energy. And so what I'll do is I'll energetically line the room with roses and I'll blow them up and I snap. So if you can guys hear me snapping, I'm a big snapper because snapping moves energy. And so I will snap and blow those things up and clear the room. Wow. Wow. If people are missing or can you see where they are, if there's like, they're trying to find a body, can you use that? I've never tried. I think Brenda can. Yeah. I think of like Casey Anthony and when they were looking for Kaylee Anthony, they were, they hired psychics to try to like figure out if they could find her. I found my keys once, Ooh. but I've never been asked <laughs> to find a missing person. But Brenda, but Brenda was called um, by a friend of hers that she went to um, grad school with during Hurricane Katrina down in New Orleans. And her friend called and was in a panic, said, we can't find my dad. Can you help? And so Brenda did her little woo-woo, you know, witchy-poo stuff. And she said, well, here's where he is. And you have two days until he runs out of medication. And that's all you got is two days. Mm. And so her friend came from a lot of means. And so she actually hired a helicopter, went and saved her father because Brenda told them where he was. Wow. Yeah. And you've also found and you can read about this in the book a little bit that you've discovered that you have the ability to connect the spirits of deceased loved ones with their loved ones in in this plane how did that come about and what's that experience like i'd imagine it's a hard line to walk being able to be that conduit and whether you say something or not say something that you're getting this communique you know that must be it was one of those things that just started to happen you know, and then I actually went and uh, was taught how to do it properly and handle it properly because you can get yourself in a lot of trouble. I kind of liken it to anybody who taps into that. By the way, anybody can do it if they really choose to. We all have our different powers, like whether it's clairaudience, hearing, clairvoyance, seeing, clairsentience, feeling. Like Everybody has them. But so I went in and kind of went to school for it, I guess, let's call it. What I learned, because you learn how to protect yourself and you learn to also meet and work with your guides. And so there's, I also have a chapter in my book about Jacob take the wheel and Jacob is my primary spirit guy. And so he helps me during that mediumship 
moment or experience with someone. One thing that I have learned is that I will tell you the truth, whether or not you want to hear it, because my job is not to, to edit what a spirit is trying to communicate. I do my best to describe if I get an image. Um, sometimes I, my favorite is when they actually write with their finger for me. Oh, it is my favorite. I was on the phone last night with a friend of mine that I met through my book. Like I said, I'm friends with people who like my book. (laughs) And she and I were on the phone and we become really good friends. And are you guys country music fans? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. She's an up and comer. Her stage name is Harper Gray and she's fantastic. So everybody should go listen to her latest album. She's amazing. So so she and I were talking last night because we're kind of collaborating on something. And um, I said, you know, I think one of your relatives came in to see me and she was, I think I might know who it is. I said, no, who's Joe? And she's like, oh, God, that's my that's my uncle's name that that died. I'm like, OK, well, it was Joe because I saw Joe. Wow. Right. Mm. It's crazy how some of that stuff happens. Hi, Harper. I'm sure you're going to listen. What does Joe look like to you? Yeah, they show me, you know what? It, weirdly enough, when I see you see me looking out, right? When I'm with somebody and this happens at restaurants, too, they will show up behind you normally And based on what side they show up on, I can tell you if it's from your mother's or your father's side. So our right side is our paternal side. Our left side is our maternal side. So I was having dinner one night with a colleague and I said, oh, did you lose a grandfather on on your mother's side? And he's like, yeah, how did you know? And I said, well, he's here right now. And I described how he was kind of bald on top, but he had that hair patch around the sides, you know, that you guys get. You guys don't. <laughs> Pretty impressive, actually. Hair for men. Um, just wait. <laughs> and so they show me what they look like for that person because, like, when I talk to my mom, she comes to me in different ways all the time. She's come to me looking the way she did before I was ever born, before my brother was ever born in the 50s. So they come how they want you to see them or how that person would recognize them. And so the way that this one particular friend, his grandfather showed up was how he remembered him in his teens. So they come like that. And so I describe what they look like. Sometimes I had a friend, this is crazy, had a friend, um, another colleague, and she works uh, for the CW. There's a lot of people that work for the CW, so she can remain anonymous. (laughs) (laughs) And um, we're again, we're in Hollywood, right? These are our friends. These are people, right? right? And so she wanted to have dinner. because She was really intrigued. By my book and she had a friend that she had lost she goes well do you see her and i go i think i do so i started to describe her and i said was she brown hair and went to blonde hair or blonde hair and went to brown hair i don't remember what she told me it was because why are you asking i said because she's showing me it turning back and forth but i don't know which was first hmm. and then i look at her and i say did your friend have a boob job or have big boobs and she said well, she had really big boobs. I said, oh, she's, why do you ask? I said, because she just showed me her boobs. And I said, and what I know. <laughs> Wait. I said, what I know. Oh, your problems. <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> I've, I've never had that happen, but that one time. That's so bizarre. Know. Well, here's what's not bizarre about it and why I asked the question the way that I did is because you can uncover your mouth. <laughs> because you laugh out loud and uncover your mouth is because I know a lot of women have had boob jobs and they're very proud and they want to show everyone S- right ladies no you don't know anybody <laughs> I'm not saying yours are but you know no I do know yes yeah, I thank know. you course, that's what women do they yeah. want to show they want you to touch them they want to show you sorry guys but this is what girls do for real in my house no, I'm just kidding and so, so sorry honey um <laughs> 
I'm sober too. What's wrong? You guys are making me way too comfortable. I'm going to say shit and get in trouble. Um, so that's why I asked her about her friend. I'm like, she showed me your boobs. It's like a friend would. That's like, look, I got new boobs. You know, they cost 20 grand. And she's like, no, they were just big. I'm like, okay. The next day, she calls me and she says, well, I just talked to whatever friends, what her name, to her husband that told me she had a boob job. She says, I didn't even know it. I said, well, she was showing me. Whoa. I was trying to tell you. Wow. <laughs> right? Dead people do crazy stuff. Wow. I mean, they're really entertaining. Wow. I would run away if I saw a dead person. I think it would. I'd be so scared. Oh. Don't where, tell me I have one. <laughs> where would you run? I actually turned it off before we got here because they could get really distracting. Yeah. So okay, I've learned to do that. Uh, I'll turn it on later. <laughs> Just to freak you out. If you don't give me the proper cookie flavor. Get the Thin Mints. I am going Go all get out on all your mints. <laughs> Lauren, just walk around with a baseball bat. Yeah, exactly. That works. Right. It does work. Just ask Tony. <laughs> so, like, in the case of Tony, that the door is swinging back and forth, have you seen anything crazy like that? Like, like physically happen? Yeah. Like, like, things fly off the wall. Oh, Lord, yes. Um, Nothing's flown off the wall. Okay. I've definitely seen objects move. I've had electronics turn on and off. I have another friend. Have you heard of the book, The Boy Who Knew Too Much? Written by a lady named Kathy Bird. Her son experienced or like reincarnation of Lou Gehrig. Oh. It's a really great book. And Kathy lives um, speaking here. Speaking of baseball bats. In the, speaking of baseball, <laughs> Kathy and I have become friends. The cool thing about writing a book is like you get to meet these other authors and they're really amazing. I, like, I feel like such a hack. These people are great. <laughs> Anita Morjani is another amazing person, you know, NDE. You guys know who Anita is? No. Dying to be me. She died and came back. Oh. Yeah, great. It's great stuff. Great people. But anyway, Kathy was texting me one day and she was sending me these screenshots of texts that just started to show up. And she called AT&T. They're like, there's no explanation. And all of them had a meaning. So I have not had that happen to me, but I obviously know Kathy that's had it happen to a, her. A meaning to her? They all meant they something They all meant something. At that moment, they were really powerful wow. about what happened. I've had a few unknown callers that there was like nothing on the other line. It's, I don't know if it was anybody. I've had that. My favorite that has happened, I, I get a lot of sounds more than, you know, this moving around on a table. But my dream, by the way, is to light a candle from the other side of the room. I don't know if I ever can, but that's one of my dreams of my own gifts to try to do or open a doorknob without touching it. Like, I really want to do that. Oh, my son wants to do that. So I, bad. Yeah, he and I can go <laughs> learn together. Uh, we'll go or we'll help each other. He like Googles it. I'm like, oh, honey, yeah, no, I, I, I totally it might. It might. I want to learn how to do it. But when the <laughs> coolest thing that's ever happened, and it's happened twice, is um, I've been on my speakerphone in my car. And I, of course, one of the times I was talking to Brenda and I hear this. Oh, and I'm like, Brenda, did you hear that? And she's like, hear what, my elf? Because she talks to me like that. I'm not lying. She's like, hear what, my elf? I think she just likes to say, my elf. <laughs> who doesn't? And right, who doesn't? And it's like, speaking of cookies, right? There we go with the elf scene. And so we're connecting everything tonight. I said, it was a wolf howling. She's like, well, it wasn't meant for me to hear. It was yours. Of course, by the, this is what she says. This is how amazing this woman is, right? It's like, who says that? Like an amazing person. And another time I was on the phone with my friend Pam and I heard a wolf again. And I go, Pam, did you hear that? She goes, what? I heard a wolf. And she goes, no crazy. 
I go, no, no, no. It's happened before. So I know this is real. So like I get the electronic stuff that happens. So TV's turning on and off. Heaters in the house turning on and off because they love to mess with electricity more than move objects, right? Because I think moving objects is kind of hard, even though Patrick Swayze made it look easy. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's like, it's kind of hard to, it's possible, but I think it's a little bit harder. I think electronics is really easy for spirits because their energy, that's energy, so they can really manipulate it. They don't do very good at the casino for me because I've asked. (laughs) I don't know if that's abuse of power. I think it is. And so they just don't help me there. It kind of pisses me off. Should I worry about that documentary that we keep talking about, Demon House? Uh, Have you heard about this documentary? No. There's a documentary called Demon House. uh, Zach Baggins from, let me get it right, Travel Channel? Something like that? Something like that. It's a ghost show. What, he does one of the ghost shows? shows. Goes to this this possessed house, basically. buys it. Buys it. Yeah. The camera people are getting possessed, all this stuff, and they do this documentary. It's insane. It comes with a warning. That entity can cross over electronics, that the documentary is haunted, and watch it at your own risk. How much of that... Do you believe it's actually it's like a, if I sit and watch it? Is that a valid warning? It's very important for Trevor. But um, it's very important because yeah, it, yeah. I'll, I'll actually give you an answer for that. I think there is a lot of validity in that warning because ha. Huh. Uh, <laughs> now I'm never going to watch it. <laughs> you don't understand. We're trying to get him to watch it. <laughs> you, you don't. You actually don't. Like, these are things you just don't. Like, you don't play with Ouija boards. You don't play. You just, you don't do that. You don't need to do that. Know that it's real and don't play in that because otherwise you, dude, you got kids, man. You don't want to yep. play in that shit. And that's the t- big talk I had to have with my friend Alex when he's like, you know, what if I want the hat man to come back? I'm like, dude, you're a dad now. Don't, like, stop. To say you don't want this to, like to be in your life anymore, and right. it won't be. You have I've given right. all the protection, everything, and it's like so. No, don't ask it to come in; otherwise, it will. So by you watching it, you knowing that, and you even believing that it can, it will come in. Yeah. To be fair, I put up a firewall, like a psychic firewall, because I do transcendental meditation. You totally so can do that. I do a lot of that stuff, and I didn't tell you this before because I didn't know how it was going to come out. But now that we're in this safe space, because I do believe in all this stuff. So when watching it, I, you know, the warning came up and I wanted to give it like a second to see how legit it was. And it, it you start feeling. Yeah. As you feels, said, you yeah. did. Yeah. You did say it felt, it felt really, really uncomfortable. And then I stopped watching it and then I went back and watched it in the daylight. And by the way, I, I gotta tell you, I don't know this guy, Zach Braff, whatever his name is. <laughs> tell you, I, I have to tell you, this is the last thing we need. What I feel like I'm supposed to do, what I would like for others to do, is try to help people move away from this stuff and not invite it in. Being human is hard enough. Earth school is hard. And the last thing we need are bullies to be coming into Earth school and messing with our shit. And so to do this kind of stuff is irresponsible. And it actually ain't probably I haven't heard about it because I didn't want to. It angers me that somebody would go off and be that irresponsible. So not Zach Braff has. Um, he's, he's, he's now. <laughs> Apologies to Zach Braff. Um, he, yes, I like Zach Braff. Garden State was fantastic. So, yes, it was. Um, so he he now has a uh, what is it, a museum in Vegas. That's right. With haunted objects. So Post Malone goes there and he handles a Dybbuk box, a possessed Dybbuk box. And then proceeds to almost immediately have a motorcycle accident. Didn't his plane crash or, or like had to... There was a something series of crazy plane. events. Yeah. Like, in, like insanely large, you know, noteworthy, terrible things happened to him. See, I spend my days working with people to not do this. I work with people like I had another talk with a friend that I was working with and 
I say friend, this person. Yeah, she's friend. I had to like sort that out in my head, like where she belongs. Right. <laughs> in the hierarchy um, of friendship. Yeah, I did. I was like, like, wait, well, because I already friendship. said that I would be anybody's friend, apparently. But, you know, she has this like recurring, like I'm going to, like these bad things are going to happen to me kind of things. And this is like, I ate a lot of this. And I go, you need to change the picture. And this actually conversation I had with a, somebody who I love. Because she's worried about a car hitting her on the driver's side. Mm. And I said, next time you focus on that, what you're going to do is you're going to see that car passing you. So you're going to stop seeing that, right? Like that's the power of, you had that power to make that not happen, right? That fear not happen. So you're going to change that picture that not to happen. And this guy's just bringing fear into everybody's life. And I feel like I spend... My life is now dedicated to taking fear out of people's life, unless I want to scare them by calling them the wrong name. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't give them that power. If that's of the worst I do now in my life. I think that's okay. <laughs> well, it's like it's almost like the Parker Brothers thing, you know. Of you know, is there a, another entity that's using him to just spread more fear and chaos? You know, if you look at my Twitter account, which I don't get on very often, but it's it's really early in my Twitter account. I found a photograph. And I'm not going to get political, but I'm just going to tell you what it is. It was a picture of when Donald Trump was in Mar-a-Lago early, like in his first year. And I think it was, who's the prime minister of Japan? That, oh. that guy. Yeah. Let's just call him Zach Braff. <laughs> so Zach Braff and Donald Trump were at Mar-a-Lago. It was a photograph that somebody had taken who was there posted it on their Facebook account and Huffington Post, that's what I read. Obviously, I'm lefty, lefty, liberal, liberal. Posted it, like they had they had it on, on HuffPo. I took a screenshot of it because there is an entity and you see, you should look at it. There is an entity and it has these like appendages things. It's a creature. It's very real that this that these things can control. And there's that photograph is there. We'll prove it to you. And I'll also send you the one of from yeah. Wade from China and from Zach Braff and Donald Trump from Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> like they're very real. Like this is stuff that can, yeah, can yeah. jack with your life. So if that's the dark side yeah. of the yin and the yang, what's the, the light side is the work that you do. And the stories that you tell and sharing this on, I don't a, pl- know. on a platform Remember, like I had a this. chapter called The Devil's Afraid of Me. Yeah, but The Devil's Afraid of You. That's the yeah. point. Yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it is that, and, it, and it's that, like, you know, unabashed confidence that you come into this space with that helps sort of, you know, flip the coin. It's like a game of Go, right? Or is it Go where you flip all the, all the things? Anyway. Let's call everything the wrong thing to me. Yeah. <laughs> That's our game. And it will make it a drinking game. So when you play Monopoly <laughs> and you turn all the dark things light, yeah, it's almost like that line was said, uh, Mark Twain line, a lie gets can get around the world twice while the truth is still getting its pants on. Yeah. That the evil spreads very quickly. My pants are on. <laughs> <laughs> that, the lie's been around three or four times around the world by now. Um, I guess the question is, what can, what can we try and do beyond this or maybe it's a movies thing to try and reach people like how do we tell the good stories how do we engage the light side of this god i have so many things running through my head so let me just slow it down for a second i think that i'm gonna back up for a second when you talk about like all the dark stuff mm-hmm. that goes on i think it all exists because it's here for us to learn lessons from right it's our school yeah. again and so we have to learn to overcome this if we have to learn you know, I will tell you, people have come to me that have never asked for help in their life. That alone is a huge lesson for them that they actually asked. 
Like there is so much that's tied up into all of this that makes us better people, that helps us ascend, mm. right? Because I don't want to come back and live this life. This life has been great, but I want a new one. You know, I don't want to come back and do the same thing. I want to do something new. So a catalyst for struggle. Right? Like we learn through, through struggle, through conflict, through whatever it may be. And so I think that's why it exists. The, one of the ways, and, and I think it's very difficult because another thing I keep running up against is about getting the message out and talking to people. The biggest problem we have, and I'm going to say domestically, so here in the U.S., is that we have a massive Christian community that wants to, because I've been labeled, like I had actually a good friend said his wife is afraid of me because like, how could you do all this stuff and harness all this stuff if you're not like dark and whatever, you must not believe in God. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I actually pray to God and thank God every day of my life. I'm very good. I just don't go to a building to do it. Right. I'm a very, I'm a woman of faith. I am not a Christian in their sense, their whatever, but I think we have a problem with the the judgment of one another. I think we have a problem with definitions of mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. I think we have a problem when it comes to religion and spirituality. There's a giant divide, even though there's not a lot of difference, like everything yeah, else yeah. that we yeah. we struggle with. Yeah, and so the... I think there's a lot of ears that are closed as a result of that struggle. That's a Gordian knot. Was it Gordian? The Gordian knot? It's a Gordian knot. Of How about a Gordo ignorance. knot? It means a big fat knot. It's <laughs> <laughs> a Zach Braff knot. Uh, yeah, it's a Zach Braff knot. <laughs> I mean, these are the same people who uh, protest against Harry Potter. It is. And, you know, and those are my people. I grew up with them. I know them really well. Mm. I've had a lot of conversations with folks in Oklahoma about this. Luckily, because I've known them my whole life, we can have a conversation, but that's not possible with everybody because they just don't. And plus you add, for me, you add the lesbian on top of it. And it's like, I might as well have horns, right? (laughs) It's like, oh wait, she does like this little magic woo woo elfy shit and ghost and talks to dead people and can hear dead people can see rooms from her own living room. And she digs chicks. It's like, you just add it all up. And that's the thing that they can't get past. They can't get past (laughs) the chick part for sure. But it, it all puts horns on my head to them. Sure, yeah, it's a lot of deprogramming. It, a lot of deprogramming, and but once you, interesting, once you actually help somebody, you know, who's mm. having trouble in that area, you start to see things shift. Because I've also experienced that. Oh, that's interesting. So they can find room for both. You can find room to worship with your folks of dogma. <laughs> You're allowed to go do that, um, and you can also believe in this too, because you look at Catholicism, and it was founded on mysticism, and you just had different guys sorry guys throughout the years who's like oh no don't believe in that and they'd cross it out and then all of a sudden we end up where we are today i think so many of them mean well again they're my people they're like my they're my family it's not their fault it's it's just programmed it's dogma yeah put a leash around that dogma (laughs) and bring them over to (laughs) julie thank you so much for joining us it's been an absolute pleasure to be surrounded in your light and uh, everybody go get the ghost photographer everywhere now thank you Amazing. That was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode number 37. Special thanks to our guest, Julie Rieger. We absolutely love her. Follow her on Instagram at Julie Rieger Writes and on Twitter at Julie Rieger. That's R-I-E-G-E-R. And be sure to get her new book, The Ghost Photographer, available everywhere now. If you get a sec, 
We'd love if you rate and write us a quick review on iTunes. It helps the show get found and continue to grow. We appreciate it so much. Till next time, Trev for the Boo Crew saying, see you on the other side. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Tim Timebomb, Leone D'Antonio, Lauren and Trevor Shand, Austin Wilkin, and Rachel Tahada. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation. Bye.